If you need a new roof or a repair, Easton Roofing will take care of you. Estimates are always free and suggestions are built on integrity. Visit EastonRoofing.com for more information. Get back to business faster with Easton Roofing. Easton Roofing. Integrity matters. Welcome into Sports Night, Sports Radio 810 WHB. I am Sterling Holmes, live in studio now, 7 p.m. until 9 p.m. tonight. Dylan Michaels behind the glass. A lot to get into. Surprisingly, a lot of Chiefs talk. Who would have thought the Thursday before the Super Bowl, we'd be talking Chiefs? We'll be joined by Daniel Harms, film analyst for RGR at 715, and Matt Derrick, Chiefs Digest at 8. Before we get there, did you know it was supposed to snow last night? Because I was blindsided. I woke up at 5 a.m. when a big-ass tree limb fell and almost landed on my roof. And I'm not talking a small tree limb. I'm talking a Danny Shelton size tree limb, the kind I need a chainsaw to try and chop up. Dylan, did you know it was supposed to snow, or was I the only one left out in the cold here? No, it was a pleasant surprise this morning. No, it was not a a pleasant surprise. It was gross. It was muddy. I was up at 5 a.m., and I couldn't go back to bed because this transformer behind my house that's close by kept flashing bright lights, which I'm not an electrician. I know nothing about this stuff, but I don't think a transformer is supposed to do that. I now have to. Tr- All right, if you like the snow so much, Dylan, how about you get this tree limb off my lawn? Can I keep the firewood? Yes, you can keep the firewood. Don't act like you're actually going to do this. Don't even. I tr- might. How big? Big. Like how? Like what's the circumference here? Circum. Well, do you count all of the? Miniature limbs from, that from end fa- to end. If, it was, if you laid it, it's it probably oh, twenty feet long. Yeah, I'm saying how wide. Well, if you're talking about just the actual trunk, it's about um, the size of maybe two two liters. Put two two liters together. It's pretty thick, dude. Yeah, it's it's a thick boy. But then you have to get into account not just it's not skinny, right? It's not a pencil. You gotta take into the count that it's like a Christmas tree. This thing blooms out. It's big, dude. If you pick it up, you can have all the firewoods you want. What do you do? You have a fireplace, even? Uh, pit. Okay, then yes, you can take this. All right. I send will send. I will send you a picture right. tomorrow. You'll save me money and time. Yeah, me. Yeah, this is this is a win-win, baby. This right here. You think you're getting Chiefs talk? No, we're solving problems. This is what we do. <laughs> All right. Speaking of solving problems, everyone was a full participant for the Kansas City Chiefs in practice today except Legarius Sneed. Solving problems. Kadarius Tony is back as a full participant. You'd love to see it. Juju Smith-Schuster back as a full participant. You'd love to see it. Legarius Sneed, 
not concussion-related, because he has already passed concussion protocol. It is a knee designation. Now, I don't know how to take this. He was a limited participant, so we got some work in. Everyone else was full. I'm thrilled everyone else was full, but I'm a little concerned about Legereus Sneed. Dylan, how concerned are you about this LP for LJ? LJS. <laughs> so, I don't know. This is just today. Was he full participant yesterday? Mm-hmm. And what's the... Uh, it's a knee designation. It's not his concussion, so it's not anything related to the concussion protocol. He's already passed that. So it was a knee. Yeah, that's his gamesmanship. Think so? Yeah, this might mean that he is going to be following somebody. Oh. Who are you thinking? Well, I'm saying you need to follow Smith and double A.J. Brown. The Belichick way. Double Tyreek. And then put your best corner on Kelsey. Now, he, Kelsey beats everyone, but when you beat him up at the line of scrimmage, too, makes it easier. Sure. So I don't know who you'd have to do that to. Probably, you can't really do it to AJ. He's outside. Yeah. So maybe that's it. I don't know. So you're thinking so maybe gamesmanship no, no, here. No, you're, no, you're, no. you're thinking this AJ, is. No, because AJ is outside. Sure. So he's probably going to follow Brown because you can double the slot easier. Yeah. Which bracket, is, which is Devonte. Yeah, I hope you're right that this is gamesmanship, because I thought the same thing was gamesmanship with Travis Kelsey last week. That was not gamesmanship. That was a game time decision. Luckily, a couple more days. Again, the good news was Kadarius Tony being a full participant. Andy Reid came out and said this was the day they wanted to check. They gave him a lot more work. This was a difficult practice, and looks like he responded well. That is a positive sign for Kadarius Tony. But again, we will keep an eye out on Legereus Sneed as we inch our way closer to the Super Bowl. Uh, some fun little news here: Mahomes can win his second MVP award tonight, and if he does that, he can break. The MVP curse that has plagued the NFL in MVP winners since 1999. The last time someone won MVP and the Super Bowl was 24 years ago. 1999. You know who it was, don't you, Dylan? Former high V shelf stalker, Kurt Warner. Yes, it was, baby. By the way, he got close in 2001. But they lost the Super Bowl that year because he also won the MVP in 01. He won in 99, won in 01, but they won the Super Bowl in 99 and lost in 2001. So Mahomes, I think a lot of folks, myself included, he's probably going to win the MVP award tonight. That leaves one more task. That is the Super Bowl. You think he does it? You think he, he, he sweeps? I don't know. I'm not ready to decide on the game yet. I'm still waffling. My no, early not. lean is Are Eagles. you actually waffling? Early lean's Eagles, just because. You're... No! 
I don't believe you. I don't believe deep down in your heart you believe the Eagles are going to be the Chiefs. It's a lean. It's a lean. Why? Maybe I'm just here. No, no, no. We we have time. We have about five minutes before we bring on Daniel Harms. Why do you think the Eagles? Sometimes the best teams beat the best quarterback. It sometimes it happens. No, no. no. Give me your reasons. I I want you to Peyton Manning lost to the Seahawks. No, don't give me Peyton Manning. Give me why the Eagles. Well, they're going to run the football. They could run the air out of the football in the most opportune times for them, not us, which is the fourth quarter. I could definitely see a scenario where we are trying to stop them. We we need a stop, and it's two yards, and they line up in that rugby thing and ice the game. I could just see it happening like that, just the same as anyone can see the whole narrative of you guys didn't play anyone all season, uh, your quarterback's not as good as Patrick Mahomes. Like that, that can also fuel a team just as much as everyone saying the Eagles are supposed to win this game. So there's a lot of narratives going on both sides that are fueled to, I guess, a, you know, not to be cliche, but fueled to a fire before a Super Bowl. So, not, no blowout. I'm not saying it's going to be a, you know, 14 point game, but best team in football versus one. The best three players are on the Chiefs. Okay. Best three players are on the Chiefs in Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Chris Jones. It's not basketball, though. I get it. But you're acting like the rest of the Chiefs players are a bunch of no, bums. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. To see that. Now, there's the homerism a little bit. Where I, it's like, that's not a homer. You can say two things at once. You can say that the Eagles players are better while the Chiefs really did well in the draft. But I think it's, it's slightly veteran. overblown. They're a more veteran team. They sure. might not be better. There's a little more veteran now. I know that they haven't. A lot of them haven't been in this spot either, but a lot of them have. I, I would say it's about, the, it's, it's about the same. Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, uh, Lane Johnson. That's all I can think about. At the top of my head right now. That's four: Chiefs, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Andrew Wiley. Technically, he's played in one. Okay, yeah. If we're doing that, Sneed, uh, Clyde. Sure. All the people that were rookies. Sure, they've they've been there. They played in one. The Bucks one, yeah. I just think that I, it'll be close. I'm not, and that's a lean. Yeah, I get it. No, I I think it's gonna be a very 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 close game. Just what I think it comes down to is Mahomes is so much more talented, so much better than Jalen Hurts. I don't care how much you run the football, and. The, the Chiefs, in my opinion, are going to do everything possible. We'll get into it later on. We've talked about it briefly earlier today. They're going to make the Eagles throw the ball. So here's my logic. Who's better quarterback, Jalen Hurts or 2019 Jimmy Garoppolo? Jalen Hurts. Who was a better defense, 2019 Niners or mm. this Eagles defense? I might go Niners. Okay, I would agree, just because of Fred yeah. Warner. Yeah. But not by as much as the difference between Jimmy G and Jalen, right? Sure. Okay. That's my logic is that does Jalen Hurts miss that throw? I think that Niners like, team was much ta- more talented, personally. I think, I think that Niners team was better than this Eagles team okay. overall. That's that Okay, maybe. I think they're very similar. Sure, the, similar, similar makeups, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think that if he hits that pass to Emmanuel Sanders, and that might be what it comes down to this time again. It might come down to, can Jalen Hurts make a throw? Because I think it's going to because we're going to force him to, and I think that this time around, I think he, I think he makes it. That's a good point. 
But I don't think Jalen Hurts makes that throw just based on his shoulder alone. Maybe, but... I've I, been a mass... And we're, I, I, again, I, we have a lot to get into, yeah. and we have to bring on Daniel Harms. And again, you and I are going to argue a lot more this show because I did not know that was the way you are leaning. This is going to make it way more fun because I think the... the the Eagles are the are the overall better team. They're way more um, complimentary. They can do this, that, and the other. More so than Kansas City is slightly overblown. I've gone through some numbers, some stuff I want to pull up. Just, just together, you and I can go through this. Because I think I got sucked into the narratives of the national media. And then when, when you look more into the, um, the numbers, the analytics, the statistics, it's not as clear-sighted. It's Mahomes versus an entire team. The Chiefs have a damn good team in their own right. They have other aspects where I think they are better than the Eagles, where they can stop the Eagles. And so I want to get to that, and I want to give this more time so we're not just sitting here trying to rush through stats. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll be joined by Daniel Harms, film analyst of RGR Football, right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back into Sports Night, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes with you. Having a little bit of technical difficulty. He's going to restart the computer on the back end. It should be fine, but we'll get it fixed in just a moment. But now we are joined by Daniel Harms, film analyst of RGR Football. Daniel, how are you? Well, after you know trying to wrangle my four-year-old to get up stairs before I can get on the radio. I'm doing well. You know, we're about <laughs> Thursday, four days out of the Super Bowl. I'm excited. <laughs> so you're trying to wrangle a four-year-old and our computer's acting like a four-year-old. So there we go. We're, we're in the same boat right now. A little bit. I mean, computers are sometimes a little bit more finicky. There's not. There's usually a right way to fix a computer. Usually, there's no right way to wrangle a four-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Tough but fair. Uh, getting into the Super Bowl, it feels like there is a calm coolness just permeating throughout the Chiefs organization right now. feels like all the players are treating this as a business trip. It doesn't feel like there's any trash talking going on. It doesn't have that same anger that the Chiefs and Bengals matchup had. feels like it's a matchup between two teams who, truthfully, really respect each other. Is that the same vibe that you're getting? I think it's the same vibe everyone's getting. It's not not even just the team, but the whole Andy Reid of it all. Like he was in Philadelphia. I think they all love him. If this was maybe Philadelphia going for their first Super Bowl after Andy Reid had won one in Kansas City, that might be a little different because there might be some animosity saying, "Well, you couldn't win one here, but you won one there." You know what I mean? Uh, but they got theirs. They, they got theirs in, uh, five years ago now. It was 2017. No, six six years ago. 2017 Super Bowl with, you know, Nick Foles. And now this is like, okay, both the Eagles and Andy Reid have succeeded when they went went their separate ways. So there's lots of love between Philadelphia and Andy Reid. And honestly, um, I've always respected the Philadelphia Eagles myself, not just because of where Andy Reid came from, but because of how historically good they've been and what 
a replication of you know this not even a rivalry but kind of like a brotherhood with Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey there. Um, it's just a lot of fun. I think that these two teams represent what this NFL season was about. They were the Eagles have been the best team in the NFC, and I mean you can argue who was the best team in the AFC for a large portion of the season. Um, but I think that this is the Super Bowl we all thought it was going to be, at least those of us in Kansas City and those of, uh, those of them in Philadelphia. Yeah, and what's fun about this is it's so much strength versus strength, strength versus weakness. It's yeah. two teams that have a certain identity that they lean on throughout the game, and it's going to be which one breaks. Starting with the defensive side of the ball for Kansas City, what would you do trying to slow down the great rushing attack by the Eagles. Do you see Spag sending blitz after blitz? Do you see the defense try and put a spy on Jalen Hurts to try and limit what he can do with his legs? What would you do? Well, this is this is a, a really tough question. I, I do I do think that it, it all starts with the run game, like you said. It's going to be probably the Chiefs' most difficult task of the entire season. Stopping what the Philadelphia Eagles do up front. They're so diverse. They're so athletic. They're so good. The best offensive line in the NFL, you know, Stoutland has done a great job just getting all those offensive linemen, continuing to churn out elite offensive linemen. You know, Jordan Mailata has turned into one of the best tackles in the NFL, and he was, you know, a former rugby, rugby player coming over and never having played in the NFL before, and they've gotten him to be what he is. So you have to be extremely sound in your run fits. You can't over-pursue that's where this this offense will gash you. If you over-pursue at the linebacker level, if you don't physically allow, you know, take up double teams and let your linebackers flow downhill, they're going to run, you know, Kenny Gainwell. They're going to get all their quarterback off. They're going to get Miles Sanders going. They're going to run Boston Scott out there. He's scoring touchdowns just as much, again, the postseason, I think, that he ever did in the regular season. So they're doing a really good job of continuously getting movement, doing mixing up their – their run fits and doing just such a great job of staying sound in their blocking schemes to go with what they do with the running backs and with the quarterback run game off of it. So I do think that Spags is going to blitz a bit more than he did against Joe Burrow. And that's not any disrespect to Jalen Hurts. I think he's done an excellent job getting to the point where he is and, you know, speaks to his character and his development and his intelligence and all the talent that he has as a quarterback. I do believe Joe Burrow is a better pre-snap quarterback, and you're not going to confuse him as much as you, as I think that you can confuse Jalen Hurts to an extent. I do believe Steve Spagnuolo's got a game plan, a really good game plan, that if they can find a way to get into some of those second-and-long and third-and-long situations. But, yeah, he's going to tee off. He's going to get some different looks that Jalen Hurts hasn't seen and maybe try to – Confuse up front. That's going to be the tougher part. It's confusing Jason Kelsey. He is an, an incredible diagnoser before the play, before the snap. He communicates to his offensive lineman. That's going to be the harder part, in my opinion, is communicating and trying to get the offensive line screwed up so you can get some free rushers into him on those second and third longs. So got to stay sound in your rush lanes and as your your run through gap fits as a linebacker crew and you gotta find a way to take up some bodies on the defensive line. Make it so the linebackers can flow. And that's gonna be 
the huge, the biggest key, in my opinion, in this football game. Film analyst Daniel Harms joining us right here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. And let's just stick with the linebackers for a second. Not just their run game, it's the RPOs, and mm-hmm. that's what has me slightly concerned. We know the linebackers' weakness is in pass coverage, right? Nick Bolton, Willie Gay Jr., this is nothing new. Not saying they're bad linebackers, we just know that's not their strength. Yeah. Dallas Goddard is a very, very good tight end. No, he's not Travis Kelsey, but he's above Hayden Hurst. He's in that next tier of very good tight ends. The RPO is what the Eagles' offense is almost centered around. Jalen Hurts getting the ball out quick. You don't know if it's a run. It makes the linebackers think. How big of a game plan, how difficult will this be for Nick Bolton and Willie Gay Jr.? It's going to be, I've already said it once, it's going to be their toughest test of the season. This is, this is no joke. It's different from what we saw last year in the AFC Championship game with the Chiefs specifically. They wanted to throw the football. They wanted to throw a ton of RPOs. They wanted to get the ball out quick, and they didn't want to run the football. So Cincinnati was like, fine. You don't want to run the ball? We're going to drop eight and say, have fun. Uh, you can't really do that against the Eagles. They're just going to run and run and run and run if you do that. So that's, again, back to being disciplined. Ball location is going to be paramount. As the linebackers, you will still have to flow, but I think that you have to – Give more freedom to the corners up front. You might see them play more man in this game, specifically more press man up at the line of scrimmage. If they're going to run RPOs and if you're going to be able to stay sound in your run fit, you have to throw off timing a different way. The only way to do that is to get hands on the receivers at the line of scrimmage. That's the only way you can throw off timing. Otherwise, it'll be a field day, especially with the way that they can run off of it. They can do the quarterback run. They can do so many different things. So you have to disrupt the timing because you can't just put everything on a linebacker's shoulders to move with the run and then have to also get back to the corners, excuse me, to the wide receivers and get into throwing lanes. It's a very, very difficult situation. So, like I said, got to be able to get receivers – Got to get hands on receivers and be able to throw off the timing that way. Yeah, and again, this is what I was mentioning earlier in strength versus strength. Robert Griffin, who has done a great job in my mind as an analyst, he's starting to get more and more analytical. He actually had a very good, uh, very good quote out there today. It was the Chiefs are number one in press coverage snaps. They get all in your face. You know. That's what they do. This is what the Chiefs defense does. The physical nature at the line of scrimmage. Do you? I don't want to make this a, a ref talk. I, I'm not trying to focus so much on Carl Sheffers because I think yeah, both yeah, fan bases yeah. don't enjoy Carl Sheffers refing games, but the Chiefs are very physical with their corners at the line of scrimmage as Robert Griffin just pulled up. Well, the Eagles run a lot of, a lot of RPOs, a.k.a. illegal man downfield. Will this have any factor here, the physicality of this game? I think a little bit, but as with most games, specifically in the postseason, you're going to have to see what they're going to call. So early in the game, you're going, I guarantee you, you're going to see the Chiefs' corners get physical. If it comes down, that they're not going to be as you know, you know, flag happy as we've seen, which is usually, again, usually the case in the postseason, even with the Sheffers, who we know likes to throw the flag and get them on that kind of stuff. We know that that's a possibility. They're going to test it early. You find out what you can get away with. There's a reason, like, you look, specifically when you watch the tape on Chris Jones, when you watch the tape on these offensive linemen, I know people are, are taking clips of, like, Lane Johnson getting off the ball early. Yeah, well, guess what? If, if ref's not going to call it, you're going to do it too. 
If you can get away with it, you can get away with it. That's, that's what it is. This is the game within the game. You have to find out what the refs are going to call, what they're going to consistently call, what they're not going to consistently call. If you can get away with some hands a little bit early inside the routes on those RPOs, do it and do it and do it. So that's what, in my opinion, just they're going to figure out what they can get away with because that's what it is. The referees are going to have whatever impact they have, but you can only control what you can control. Find out early in the game what you can get away with, how much physicality. I don't care so much if they get a holding penalty here and there. you got to test it. you got to find out what you're going to be able to do to be able to adapt your game plan for the rest of excuse me, for the rest of the game. So, yeah, I think that they're going to be physical and then adjust based off of what the referees are going to call. Daniel Harms, film analyst for RGR Football, joining us right here. It feels like the national media, for the most part, is so intrigued by Mahomes' ankle, but they're not talking as much about Jalen Hurts and his shoulder. And I find this very intriguing as quarterbacks, that throwing shoulder is a very important issue, especially since there's been a noticeable drop off in Hertz's accuracy from that injury. The last three games he's played in, he has not looked himself. He obviously missed a wide open AJ Brown just last week, and I would have to imagine the shoulder was a major uh, part of that equation. Why does it feel like we're talking so much about Mahomes' ankle, and that's the big issue, and not Jalen Hurts and his arm? Because the uh, Philadelphia Eagles blew out the Giants and the 49ers. If it were closer games, then, you know, maybe he threw some picks and they were decided by fewer points, like the Chiefs versus the Jags and the the Bengals, then it would be more of a talking point. But they haven't had to worry about it. It hasn't had to be on Jalen Hurts' throwing the football. That's the key difference. It's been on Patrick to, you know, win the football game for the Chiefs, both against the, the Bengals and the Jaguars, you know, Touchdowns to Marquez Valdez Scantling in both games were huge. They were out to winning those football games. Um, and it, Mahomes had to run, step up into the pocket, make something happen on a hurt ankle in both of those games to be able to do it. So, you know, Jalen Hurts, they've been able to run the football and they early, like halfway through that, so not even halfway through the football game against the 49ers, they figured out, okay, we don't have to worry so much about this. The defense is facing a fourth string Josh Johnson. And we can just kind of run the ball. We don't have to throw it a ton. We don't have to count on Jalen Hurts to keep us in this game with his arms. So that's, in my opinion, that's why you're not hearing enough about it. If this game gets to a point where the Chiefs want it to be is to put this on Jalen Hurts' shoulders to win the football game, people are going to be talking about it a lot. And then I think that's what you're going to see. So it's just kind of how it is. Mahomes is a little bit different with the mobility stuff. You don't see it as much from Jalen Hurts now that he's running a little bit more. So I think that's really what people have taken away from that. Yeah, and that's all fine and dandy. I just don't think folks are giving enough credence to the fact the Chiefs aren't the Giants. The Chiefs aren't a Brock Purdy yeah. and oh. then a Brock Purdy-less 49ers team. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's an offense that was leading the NFL in scoring this year. Uh, this is a completely different matchup from the other teams they have faced. I get what you're saying. I, I, I'm, I'm with you, but we have seen him try and throw, and it just has not looked the same since that injury. Now, we keep talking about the Eagles' defensive line, and rightly so. They're elite. They had a phenomenal season. They're seven deep. When you have Indomitian Sue, uh, Jordan Davis coming off the bench, I mean, come on. That's just a ridiculous D-line that you have. But 
we're not talking enough about the Chiefs' offensive line. Feels like they've really gelled as the season's gone on. Ever since Mahomes' ankle injury, they even took it up just a notch. Uh, the interior is one of the best in the NFL. Are we not giving the Chiefs' offensive line enough credit? I don't know. I think Andy Reid does an excellent job of scheming the protection as much as the offensive line's played well. There's a lot of there's a lot of plays where there's so much going on in the backfield with running backs, with tight ends, with moving wide receivers that it forces defensive ends to have to think. That's exactly what Andy Reid wants defensive ends to do. They want he wants them to think, and it gives Patrick more time than you see a lot of other quarterbacks have. The reason you know the 49ers were unable to do that is because Hassan Reddick could just tee off. They were saying, tight end, you go block him one-on-one in pass protection. And then he was not able to do so. Shocking, I know. But the reason you can, you can see Noah Gray block pass protection a little bit better in some of these instances is because they use so much backfield motion. They use play action on top of motion in the backfield. All of these force a defensive end to have to say, okay, this could be a jet sweep coming at me. This could be a play action going the other way. It could be a run going the other way. It could be a boot coming this way. There's so many different things that could be happening based off of one thing after the snap that they have to think more, and that allows – it gives guys like Jody Fortson or Blake Bell or Noah Gray or Travis Kelsey to an extent a little bit more time to get the proper positioning. So all that said – the Chiefs' offensive line has absolutely played much better one-on-one. Uh, they also have not faced a defensive front like they're going to see in this game. So uh, I think that while the defensive line and the depth that they have in Philadelphia is, Philadelphia is the best that they'll seen the, the Chiefs will have seen in the postseason, this is also probably all the way around the best offensive line the Eagles will have seen, along with everything that Andy Reid does to scheme uh, protections and make defensive ends confused. So I think that you're right in the sense that most people are, are focusing on the defensive line because of how many sacks that they have historically. So, but also, you know, the Chiefs don't give up a ton of sacks, and it's not just like Patrick is able to sit in a pocket and, and or excuse me, move around and make a bunch of guys miss right now. He can still do that, but he's had way more time in the postseason, specifically with a bum ankle than I think we've seen at times during the, po- during the regular season. So everyone's really stepped up, so yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, just looking at the numbers, I've said this once before, actually probably have said it three times, but I'll say it again. Hertz was sacked 38 <laughs> times on 460 dropbacks, while Mahomes was sacked this season 26 times on 648 yeah. dropbacks. Uh, obviously, that's not all on the offensive line. The sacks are a combination stat, in my mind, between the quarterback and the offensive line. That tells me, to an extent, Jalen Hurts holds onto the ball longer than most, but again, it just shows how impressive Mahomes and this offensive line has been at not giving up sacks. Uh, Andy said he's expecting a surprise performance from someone. Who do you think that is? Oh man, I think it's going to be Jody Fortson. I know everyone wants it to be Sky Moore, but when you look at the, I think, in my opinion, the one big weakness that you can attack on this Philadelphia defense, it's down the middle with the linebacker play. The size advantage that Jody Fortin has about anybody in the secondary is also um, something to, to say. That's it's one thing to uh, you know to be a really good really good defense. And the Eagles absolutely have been. But there are 
two times. I think there's only two above average quarterbacks that they've played this season, Dak Prescott and Aaron Rodgers. Both of them scored 33 or more points against that defense. And that, I don't know, maybe that's just me putting too much stock into good quarterbacks, good offensive schemes. But uh, this also was the best quarterback in the NFL and a really excellent top-of-the-line offensive scheme. But when, when you have all that together, and then you also have this tight end wide receiver hybrid that was doing a ton of stuff earlier in the season, catching touchdowns, running jet sweep wheel routes down the field against the Rams, and catching a, a perfectly placed football down the field in a 50-50 opportunity, that screams opportunity for me, specifically with how good the Chiefs have been in 13 personnel all season. They've been the best team in 13 personnel. And I just I keep thinking about how they've attacked downfield out of 13 personnel, even without Travis Kelsey. They did it last week, or about a week and a half ago now against the Bengals, where they actually just had Travis move from left to right behind the line of scrimmage and block. He wasn't even running out for a pass in 13 personnel, but they used that to hit their advantage and got a big play to Marquez down the field. And you can do that with Jody Fortson. You can do that with Noah Gray. I, I just see the size advantage and the advantage specifically in 13 personnel that the Chiefs will have over the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think Jody Fortson can have a big big game in in this football game. Daniel Harms, film analyst for RGR Football, joining us right here. How concerned are you with the health of the Chiefs as a whole? Obviously, everyone except for Legereus Sneed was a full participant in practice today. We just got that list, and Legereus Sneed wasn't concussion protocol. It was his knee. Dylan, my producer yeah. behind the glass, that maybe a little gamesmanship was going into this. But what's your takeaway on the injury report heading into the Super Bowl for Kansas City? Oh yeah, it's pretty uh, up and down. But at the same time, this is this is the last game of the season. This is it. Like this is what you're gonna have. Like this is what if you can play, you're gonna play. Everyone's. Gonna, I don't expect anyone that's practicing right now to not play in this football game. I expect them all to play. I expect, from what I understand, this is the same need that Legarius had uh, bumps, bruises on, limited practices on throughout the season already. He did play through it, so we're gonna see if that is the same kind of issue but you know Kadarius Tony expects to play he said you know he said on Monday he was going to play on Sunday all game so we'll see it's a little worrying at the same time because the Eagles have been extremely healthy they're getting healthier too and you always want to play a game at full strength but the Chiefs were able to beat the Cincinnati Bengals down pretty much every starting wide receiver they had outside of NBS um so I have faith that they can get it done. It's just going to be about who steps up. The Chiefs have played a ton of competitive football games this year. And a lot of these young players and a lot of these guys that have needed to step up have stepped up. They've gotten experience. And now, you know, they're, they're not rookies anymore. They're veterans. They're young players. They're essentially second-year players. You're playing, what, your 20th game of the season? Like, this is, this is all hands on deck. And it's next man up no matter what. So injuries aside – they have the experience. They're battle-tested. And, and all in all, I'm not super worried about it because I do think um, regardless of what happens in the game, they're going to play through whatever they can to get to the finish line. Speaking of next man up, 
it was basically last man up when it came to the punt return situation for the Chiefs against the Bengals. It was Sky Moore, the man who stepped up with a huge redemption return for KC. But who's going to be the punt returner in the Super Bowl for KC? Because obviously McCole Hardman, he's not he's not playing. He's in the IR. Kadarius Tony, while well, he'll be playing this game, like you and I both expect. Do they put him back there if he's not 100%? You know, is Justin Watson, who's now back, is he going to be the punt returner, a guy that they trust but they don't expect to ever bust off a big play? Or will they go back to Sky Moore since he had that redemption return for the Chiefs setting up the game-winning field goal? What do you think? Who's the punt returner for KC in the (laughs) Super Bowl? I'll say it's Kadarius, Tony, uh, because, one, he was a full practice participant today. So that tells me at least enough that they think he's going to be healthy enough to play. He thinks he'll be healthy enough to play. If you see him starting to like limp around a little bit, I do think he'll go to Sky Moore specifically because of the confidence boost he got in the AFC Championship game. That was big. There was two of them, honestly. He had two big punt returns. One actually got called back, and then the other one was huge for them winning the football game. So I think it would go Kadarius Tony first and then Sky Moore after. Mm. That's fair. I, I will go Kadarius Tony first as well. I think Sky Moore's return was was fun to watch. It was a little bit of a redemption story. But even if Kadarius Tony's not necessarily quote unquote a hundred percent, I think they trust him more uh, than Sky Moore. That's just my personal opinion. I think Sky Moore was basically last man up, and he. He he was the guy. He he made the play. But I don't know if we've seen enough. If that one play overlooks everything that went on during the regular season. When it comes to playoff Frank Clark, when it comes to Chris Jones finally getting the sack and then some in the playoffs, how I guess how thrilled are you about this defensive line? And how do you think they handle what has been known as one of, if not the best offensive lines in the NFL in the Eagles? Oh, man, it's, it's something else. Frank Clark's ability to just kind of exist in the postseason, like he <laughs> plays his best football in the postseason. That's just what it is, what it is. And I floated the idea, bring him back, but sign him to a low contract, like sign him for a longer contract, but have him play like maybe 25% of the snaps throughout the regular season and then just unleash him in the postseason. Like, why not? Like, what's? Why would you not want him not to just continue to break records in the postseason for sacks? But if he's going to continue to be that effective at this weight in the postseason for Kansas City, why wouldn't you want that in experience? What he's done to help everybody on that defensive line. Mike Dana has been great this year. George Karloftis down the stretch really started to come on. And Carlos Dunlap has been great. Like, I think that they all have a really nice camaraderie in there. And then, you know, Chris Jones. <laughs> uh, when he got that sack, eight pressures in that game. Eight. Eight pressures. He was everywhere against the uh, Bengals in the AFC Championship game. I don't necessarily think that Chris Jones will be super impacted by the offensive line. He has been doubled. He has been tripled all year. But he has made the ascension to all-pro superstar defensive player where he is in that mindset, the physical tools that he has, he is unleashing on anybody and everybody. I don't think it's going to make a huge impact on him. It's going to be more impactful for the Mike Danas, for the George Karloftis, for 
you know, Frank Clark. They're going to play better players than they've played. What this comes down to for me is what Steve Spagnuolo has done all season throughout, you know, specifically towards the end of the year and into the postseason, is getting the matchups. The one thing that we saw from Nick Bolton against the Bengals was he was mugging up a lot, but he wasn't blitzing. He was going off and covering a running back and man coverage out of the backfield on those swing routes. It made his job a little bit easier, too. He didn't have a ton of space to cover. He just had to mug up and then just go to the flat. So he's right there in case the ball's thrown. And what that does is it created a lot of one-on-one for Chris Jones, for for Mike Dana, for Dunlap, for Clark, and Karloftis. That's what this is going to be about, finding a way to get a one-on-one with somebody you think you can beat, whether that's going to be the interior, whether it's going to be, I, I don't know if you can get Mylotta or or uh, Lane Johnson. I know Lane Johnson's hurt, but he's going to be pretty healthy coming to this game, I think. So. By, by the way, can we talk about uh, the, just offensive linemen in general just very quickly? Sorry to, to cut you off right there. But Lane yeah, Johnson no, said he what fully tore now his groin, and he's basically like, it feels better now that it's fully torn. Like, these dudes are psychos. <laughs> Joe Tooney played through a broken hand. Like, NFL players <laughs> are crazy. Linemen. And then NFL offensive linemen are just psychos. I don't understand it. I have like a cut on my hand. I'm like, guys, don't know if we can play basketball tonight. I get it's different. I understand. <laughs> but like, break your finger. Break your finger and try and play a sport. You're like, no, this, this, is, this sucks, guys. I don't want to do this. And then NFL bra- players break their hand. And they're like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just tape it up. I'll, I'll go out there. I just think this is crazy. These guys are psych- psychotic. Like you said, it's a whole different mentality. And it's not even, like you said, just the offensive linemen, but the offensive linemen are so physically imposing. If you've ever stood next to an offensive lineman, you know they are huge human beings, and they move like we do, but better, way better than we do. And they're so much bigger than we are. It's ridiculous what they're able to do, what they're able to play through. (laughs) The offensive linemen don't get nearly enough credit as they do, I'm glad that people have talked about Jason Kelsey and talked about Creed Humphrey. And by the way, this is a matchup. Obviously, they don't play each other, but of the two best centers in football, they're the two best centers, and they're playing in the Super Bowl, and they have been hugely impactful to their teams. Jason Kelsey is 30, what, 37 now, 30, 37 years old, however old he is. I know he's about three years older than Travis. Travis is 33. So 35. 35. 35. Okay, so he's about two and a half. All right. He is he revolutionized what they what centers are able to do. He's smaller, but he it doesn't he has the way he plays with leverage is better than any offensive lineman I've ever seen. He's incredible, and they say dancing bear. I don't even know if he it qualifies as a dancing bear. This guy is like a gymnastics bear. He can do everything. Get out in space. He can maul people. He can just catch trap. He can do whatever he needs to do. It's incredible. These offensive linemen. They're special. They're special human beings. And on top of all the physical tools that they have, they're incredibly insane. And I would never want to be on the opposite side of one in a one-on-one, in a football game, in a pickup game, in, in a, behind them in the grocery store. No thanks. <laughs> Before I let you go, Daniel, I have to ask the final question. Score prediction. Who wins? Oh, man. So I've gone back and forth. All week, um, actually the last two weeks, about this this game to score. And I think it comes down 
to one very specific thing. Are the Chiefs going to be able to force Jalen Hurts to win this football game? Maybe I'm ignorant. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm hopeful. I think that they can. I think that this defense has come leaps and bounds from the first two months of the season. And they have done a good job this year of even improving against the run. We'll see just how much, but I have faith that Steve Spagnuolo is going to have a game plan for Jalen Hurts. I think the Chiefs will win this football game. They will win the Super Bowl 30-24. to 24. Mm, I, I dig it. It feels like everyone I've asked has the Chiefs scoring 30 points, 31 points. That seems to be the number. It feels like if the Chiefs get to 30, they walk away winning Super Bowl 57. It feels like if they don't, as much as the Chiefs' defense has improved, it feels like if they don't get to 30, that seems to be the magic number. Would you almost agree there? I would, and that's, I, I think you need to score 30 to win this football game because as good as the defense is, I think the Eagles are going to put up points, okay? Uh, I think 24 points is a, is a really good Super Bowl score, okay? I think that's excellent. The two, the two best teams, I think they're going to put up 20-plus 20 20 points in this game, and I think they have to get to 30. I do believe that they can, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But this is I'm excited about this football game, and I know that everyone's talked about how the Chiefs are in a, were in a retooling year. It's very true, and you can't ever take it for granted what's going on right now three Super Bowls in the last four years. I've enjoyed every single one the exact same amount, and I can't wait to watch this football game. Daniel Harms, film analyst for RGR Football and Fantasy Football Astronauts. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at InHarmsWay19. He does a phenomenal job of breaking down bite-sized clips. Gives you a nice understanding, a nice background. He was also there watching the down in Alabama watching all the, the college kids go after it for the getting ready, I guess, for the NFL draft, right? You're, you're there for the combine. Um, yeah, the Senior Bowl, yeah. Yeah, Senior Bowl. I mean, just great stuff all around. We'll talk more about the Senior Bowl once the Super Bowl passes, Daniel. But always, man, this is a pleasure. Always. Yeah, we're going to have a lot to talk about, but right now, Super Bowl time, baby. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. Come back. Sports Night, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back. Sterling Holmes joined now by Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest. Matt, how are you? Um, it's like 75 degrees where I am, and uh, I'm looking out at the, the Zen Garden and the pool. So, uh, it's groovy, man. I, I am about it. to hop on a plane just to throw hands, okay? <laughs> I, I am I am thoroughly jealous. I'm I'm upset. I have snow everywhere. My a large limb again. I said a uh, Brandon Williams, a Danny Shelton sized limb fell right by my house in my backyard. Um, I am what I would give to be down there. Although I'd probably be on a golf course in all 
all full transparency right now. Come on. See, and that's that's been the tough part. You know, no no time in the schedule for golf for me for this week. So <laughs> you had the sacrifices you make for this job. Oh well, your largesse, Matt, knows no bounds. Okay, I'm yeah. used I'm used to compromising my life. <laughs> well. Let's get into the Chiefs. I want to talk a little music, of course, at the end of this, because if you guys don't know, me and Matt Derrick, we love music, we love power ballads, and it wouldn't be a segment with Matt Derrick and myself if we didn't do some of that. So let's get into the Chiefs talk first. Does it feel like there's a quiet confidence permeating through this Chiefs team? Because from the outside looking in, from the fan base here, from the team itself, it seems like they're very confident. They're not cocky. They're not the Cincinnati Bengals talking trash. But there doesn't even seem to be that edge like there was when the Chiefs played the Bengals. It feels like almost a business trip for this team. Is that what it feels like from you being down there as well? Uh, To a degree. I mean, there's no doubt. I think you're picking up on the right vibe. Um, it's, it's definitely a cool, relaxed confidence. I mean, this is a, a team that's frankly just enjoying the, the journey and enjoying where they are. And a lot of that message is coming from the veterans. I mean, and, you know, and, and Carlos Dunlap is obviously at the, I think one of the front guys in that as far as, you know, being a guy that's been in the league for a long time. This is his first playoff run, his first Super Bowl. And, you know, and he's giving the message to all the younger guys, enjoy this. You know, even the guy, even the players who've been in the three Super Bowls now, their message is enjoy this because you, you, they, the Chiefs, no, they don't get to do it every year. It may feel like that, but they don't get to do it every year. You don't know that it's guaranteed to come back again. You, you just don't know what the future holds. And there's guys who may not be on the team again next year. So there's definitely that attitude of enjoy the ride. Um, but I, they're having fun. I mean, they're, they, they, they have taken it, and that's where we are in the week at least. Um, this afternoon, things are going to get more intense. The practice, the practice will be more intense today. Um, there won't be any media on Friday, so we won't see them from here on in. But I, I think what we've seen at this point has just been a group that's hey, having fun, but they know that the silliness is about to come to an end, and, and they've got to focus. So. I think they're in the right frame of mind. I mean, I think you said, I I mean, I think this is a a cool, confidence, relaxed group, and I think that's what you need to be. What's even funny is on Twitter, when you look at two of the most passionate fan bases in the NFL, Chiefs and Eagles, there feels like there's a mutual respect. It wasn't like the the Bengals and Chiefs. It wasn't like Chiefs and Bills fans getting into it all season long. It feels like even the fans have this sort of mutual respect for each other. It's kind of nice. It seems like everyone's just coming together to watch a great game. I enjoy this. Yeah, I don't think that, hey, after after the win, game, whichever side wins, I don't think there's anybody's going to be rocking over buses or throwing rocks through windows or anything. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, you know, there is. There's a, Even though it hasn't, I mean, the fans are still getting, they're just getting here. I mean, there sure. hasn't been a lot of it. You know, so far it's mostly locals. Um, sure, there was really the, the best, you know, probably gauge on partisanship you, we really had was Super Bowl opening night uh, was really the first fan event and the only one so far you could really see, you know, who was here and what. Um, and I, I felt like it was probably a, a generally a pro Chiefs fan. I mean, you know, probably close to 50-50, but I think it was still probably on the Chiefs' side. I'm expecting the Chiefs will have the stronger presence here. I mean, even though the Eagles travel well, too. But you're right. I mean, there's no venom. There's there's none of that. There is no trash talking. Um, I've only been around the Chiefs, but I haven't read about any trash talking from the Eagles side. Uh, it's been nothing but complimentary, uh, you know, all the players involved. And, you know, and the Kelsies probably have something to do with that, too. I mean, there's just 
there's at least some familiarity and there's respect there. But you're right, there is there's no venom whatsoever this week. Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest joining us right here. How concerned are you with the health of the Chiefs as a whole? Regards to Kadarius Tony, uh, Legarius Sneed, Judas Schuster, Mahomes in his ankle, Kelsey in his his back and those back spasms. Where's your concern level with these guys? Uh, I would say on a scale of one to ten, I would probably put it at about a zero point five. <laughs> uh, very little flame. I mean, love that. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, there's you know, separate the injury part of it. Um, I mean, will Mahomes be limited? I don't think he's going to be 100% still, but he's going to be close enough. And more importantly, he's clearly comfortable to run the game plan that they've put in. And Andy Reid's not paring down a game plan for the Super Bowl. He's putting in the most ambitious game plan that he can he has. And and, and, they, and Mahomes is comfortable with it. They say he's been running it full go, no issues whatsoever. If that's the case, then he's going to be as close to 100% as he can be. Um, the one the one injury with everybody else that I was most worried about was Juju, and it, he was a full participant yesterday. We'll see about today. Thursday's the real gauge. That's the that's the day of the most intense practice. Um, if there's anybody who's not a full go today, yeah, my 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 level will be raised a little bit. I can see Kadarius still you know backing him off a little bit, although they said that hey he he handled a pretty firm workload yesterday. Um, I mean, at this point, I don't see anybody that you would even possibly think is going to have a game day designation. I mean, I think they're going to be all set. I don't think anybody's going to be questionable unless something pops up. The only thing popping up on the radar might be some sniffles. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know there's been a lot of talk on social media about maybe some guys getting sick, and there have been some players who have backed out of you know, the, some media, you know, parents at the times. Um, some guys maybe on the podiums, and you can watch the videos. You know, you can hear some sniffles and some coughs and and some phlegm. Um, but it doesn't appear to be anything. I mean, you know, but nobody was out sick yesterday for practice, yeah. uh, so that's a good sign. And honestly, I mean, I think everybody from Kansas City has a little bit of allergies. Um, the guys that I talked to today were talking it up to allergies. So that hey, goes away. And you know what? There there were a lot of those same things in Miami. So I think you just, you go somewhere and you're there for a few days. Hey. There's there's more doctors and, and allergists out there that can either tell me I'm a data get or back me up. <laughs> Just give them all I, some I, Allegra D, sequester well, them, put them in a bubble, and call it a day. Well, and I also you you know this. I mean, you talk you talk for a living. You talk a lot. You know, you get you get a little congestion sometimes. And these guys have talked more with all of the media appearances and all of the interviews that they have scheduled. These guys have talked more than they will ever talk again this year. Um, you talk that much, you get a sore throat. You know, you get a little, little stopped up and everything. So. Oh, it's true, man. It, that, that's the worst. When you have those long days, and the next day you got to go right back at it again, and your throat is just killing you, and you're just chugging some tea and honey just trying to make it feel better. That's what we need to do. We need to tell these guys the secret to f- making their throats feel better. It's tea and honey. Uh, I talked to I talked to one guy who just said, yeah, he was getting a little bit of sniffles, took a clear, and it's gone. So, <laughs> you know, they're, they're hoping a lot of that is just, just allergies and it'll go away. So... It feels like the national media has been very focused and intrigued by Mahomes and his ankle. They're, they keep talking, and how limited is he going to be? He's not going to be 100%. Again, you and I both agree he's probably not 100%, but he should be good to go. It feels like there's, an, not, there's not enough people talking about the shoulder injury to Jalen Hurts. While he should be obviously good to go and he's going to be playing in this game, we saw how it affected a few of his throws. When it comes to Jalen Hurts' shoulder, are you surprised there's not more talk about this? Well, and this is probably the the cynical beat writer in me, 
but you know, hey, we're we're at the local level. We're you know, uh, what's the expression? Uh, inch deep and a mile wide? No, we're the opposite. I mean, you know, we're drilling into the you know the the the, the third, fifth, eighteenth levels and everything. So we kind of know what's going on at a granular level. The the nationals and you know media from Philadelphia they they don't know about the situation in Kansas City so hey they go a little bit off the injury report mm-hmm. Mahomes is on the injury report Jalen Hurts isn't um, does that mean anything no because there's two different standards I mean the Eagles are going to have their standards about whether or not they're going to put a guy on the report Chiefs have theirs um, I mean I feel like it's probably a little bit of gamesmanship both ways you know does Mahomes need to be on the injury report. Hey, the Eagles might not put him on there. Are the Eagles, you know, saying, "Hey, Jalen's a full participant," you know? So yeah. ah, the shoulder's not a problem. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like a lot of the talk, and I think that this is going a little bit with the Chiefs' whole situation because the narrative this week that I, I keep seeing from the the thirty thousand foot view is, yeah, Mahomes has a bum ankle, and all of his receivers are hurt. Well, they're pretty much all practicing. They're all going to be active on game day. Mahomes has a game plan that he's going to be able to run fully. I don't think there's an issue there. What I don't know is I don't know the case about that with Jalen Hurts. I don't know if if he's healthy enough to run the full game plan the way they want to do it. I don't know if he's going to be infected. You know, if, if and like you said, I mean, it's clear that it has been affecting him of late. So I don't know the situation there. And I think that. Oddly enough, in this situation, I think the Chiefs have been more transparent than the Eagles have had in an injury situation, and I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest joining us right here. When it comes to special teams, when it comes to this field, we know this is where Harrison Bucker had his injury at the start of the season. He cut his kickoffs from the 11-yard drop to about a 5-yard drop. We also know that this is where Trent McDuffie got injured as well. What is your concern level with the field? I've heard that they actually have a completely new grass field that they've been growing outside on that little retractable, uh, re- I don't even know what you call it, like a train track type situation they have down there. When it comes to the field, how concerned are you? Um, marginally, and, and the only reason I'm not super concerned is that, you know, we're not hearing any alarm bells. I mean, there, nobody's at this point saying that there's some concerns. Usually, there would be something leaking out if there was an issue that people would they would be saying, you know what, this field's not ready. But the NFL, you know, knew about the situation. They've they've put an all star crew into getting they always do for, for, for the for the Super Bowl, but I think they've ramped it up a little bit because of the situations in Arizona. My only level of concern is that, you know, I, I've talked to some people here in Arizona who just simply say the issues that the Cardinals had this season and have been having with that troop of late I mean, it's climate-related. It's the fact that there hasn't been enough – it's been below-average precipitation here. It's been below-average temperatures, and they can't grow grass. You know, golf courses are, are not quite as green as they would normally be this time of year because they can't grow grass. Um, and that's, that's an issue that affects everybody. I mean, you look all around. I mean, there's not a lot of grass in Arizona, period. But the, the few places that there are, it's been a challenge right now. And that's, that's why the, the field was in the shape that it is. It's not really – poor work it's just that they can't grow anything right now they're doing their best and now they put everything into this turf and I, i'm sure they have tried to provide you know the, the chiefs and Frio, for instance have heat lamps and they've got you know they'll do the watering everything that they need to and maybe that's what it's taken with arizona to ramp up their their care of their their turf trades um, but everybody at this point seems to say that it's not going to be the same issue that it was during the regular season Matt, how's it going, buddy? Uh, I was just going to ask you, in 
1990, the Bills played the Giants, and the game plan was to let Thurman Thomas rush all over the football field and try and stop one aspect the whole time. Now, they figured it out in the second half, and that's why I got close, and they did Jeff Hostetler as a quarterback and not Patrick Mahomes. But do you think that could be the game plan for Spags is to say Jalen Hurts, like a tip-your-cap game plan of, you know, if he throws for five, 400 yards, 350, then tip your cap to him and great game, but we're going to stop everything out of the backfield as far as RPO runs, everything. I, I think it would be a fairly safe strategy. I mean, that's, that's what you're now forcing the other team to do is to play a relatively perfect game. And if, you can, if you're doing that, you're turning it into a contest between Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. Mm. And if that's the battle, I mean, as good as Jalen is, Patrick's better. And right. I, I think you'd feel pretty comfortable with you're, you're going to win that game. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, the Eagles, what they do on the ground, especially in the red zone, it's that's the strength of their team. I mean, if you can take away their strength, what do they become? I mean, you know, what does this team go to and what do they do if they can't run the football? I, I, I think there's a reasonable chance that that's what Spags does. And if he does, it's going to put a tremendous amount of pressure on that secondary to get things done. The fact that Legereus Need is is healthy, the, the no seems to be no ill effects of the concussion. Um, the the week of rest probably helped a lot of other things with his body. So you got to think that you're going to be getting the best of Legereus this week. And you know, and and he he said that he wasn't shadowing anybody this week, but I I sure thought I saw a poker tell. Um, just a little look in his eye that, that said, told me I should not take that at, at face value. So <laughs> let's see what happens. But you know what? If you, you put Legarius, you put Legarius on their receivers. Just put him on Smith got, and double Brown. And, and, and now you're exactly you 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 put Legarius on Brown or Devontae, whichever one you want to, and, oh, and just force, force the other guy to beat you. And yep. yeah, I mean, you're you're if you can do that, you can turn the Eagles into being one dimensional, and that's what. Would be the key. That would be the goal. It's kind of like Jimmy G game plan uh, in 19, where it was like, all right, we know they can run the football. Let's let Jimmy G beat us. And what did he yeah. do? Nope. Worked out pretty well. <laughs> yeah, uh, a massive overthrow. I, I want to touch back on something you brought up, and that was the Eagles' ability to uh, be so effective running the ball, especially in the red zone. If you look at the rushing numbers from this season, they are fifth in the NFL in rushing yards, which is uh, slightly funny because both the Chiefs and Eagles both average 4.7 yards per carry. The Eagles just run the ball a lot more than Kansas City. But where they really stand out, the Eagles, is they have 32 rushing touchdowns, which is eight more than the next best team in the NFL. How much pressure does this put on the the linebackers and the D-line when it comes to stopping the run, especially in the red zone? Well, to me, it puts a lot of pressure in the sense that you just need to make sure that the, the, the Eagles don't get down there. Um, you know, the, the Chiefs defense has been a little bit of bend, don't break. You know, just you're going to give up some yards, you're going to let some teams get in. But, you know, over the course of the season, even though they had some times when they weren't as good as other times, you know, this Chiefs defense has gotten better in the red zone. Um, you can't rely on red zone defense against the Eagles because I think your, your, your red zone defense against their red zone offense – they're going to win that. So I think the key is just keeping them out. I mean, it, it, you've got to keep them settling the field goals. If they get to the 23, that's where you've got to stop them. Because if they get to the 19, I, I, I don't think you're going to keep them out of the end zone that much. Uh, so it, and, you've, and you've got to create turnovers. You've got to make big plays. So that's why I, I, mean, I think, once again, I mean, this is going to be a, 
I think it's going to be a physical game, but I think it's also going to be a fairly ABC game, which is that if you look at the end, the, the team that wins the turnover battle, the, the team that wins the sack battle, I think you probably got a 95% chance to win this game. Mm. Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest joining us right here. If you're a Spags, we talked a little, about, a little bit about what you would do, but in more detail, are you sending a ton of pressure? Do you drop everyone back? Do you put a spy on Hertz? What are you thinking you would do? What would Spags do, and what would you do when you're facing the Eagles? Yeah, and that's, that's the tricky thing. And, you know, and I go back to a lot of what the Chiefs have done um, against Lamar Jackson and some similar quarterbacks because usually when the Chiefs play some of these mobile guys – you know, what they do is they try to contain them in the pocket, make sure they can't get outside. You, if, you're, if your game plan is to force Jalen Hurts to beat you, you don't also don't want him to do it with his legs. So what you want to do is just absolutely focus on containment. The edges have to be set. You've got to make sure that he has nowhere to scramble to. And sometimes, I mean, hey, if you're going to get sacks, you're going to be coverage sacks. You know, it's not about necessarily getting to Jalen Hurts as fast as you can because that may not be possible. If you try to get to Jalen in, in two and a half seconds, he's probably going to have an escape valve. He's going to have a way out. And, and now if he's on the outside, if he's able to get a lane, then he becomes a dangerous runner. So, you know, way the Chiefs have really contained these guys in the past, and they've had some success against, you know, Lamar. They've had success against Kyler Murray. You know, go on down the list. Uh, they've had success with forcing these guys to stay in the pocket. You know, don't take a lot of chances. You don't need to blitz a lot. If you can contain him with four, you know, and five, uh, if you have to, that, that now, once again, you're going back to the game plan that you've identified and say, hey, Jalen Hurts, if he throws the football and beats us, great. We're just not going to let him run. We're going to sh- take away the RPOs. Uh, we're going to keep him in the pocket. And I, I think that's the, that's the way you beat him. Well, and you can also bring up the case that he does hold on to the ball too long. You can see some coverage sacks with Jalen Hurts. He was sacked 38 times on 460 dropbacks. Mahomes sacked only 26 times on 648 dropbacks. We know how good the Eagles' offensive line is, but I do think some of that comes from the fact it's a it's a two-way street. You can block so long, but eventually the QB needs to get the ball out of his hands. Sometimes Hurts hold, holds on to the ball too long. The Chiefs can still get him. We've talked about the Eagles' defense of line a ton and for good reason they're they're elite they have a ton of dudes on that defensive line when you have Ndamukong Sue you know Jordan Davis coming off the bench you got a, a damn good defensive line but are we not giving the Chiefs offensive line enough credit because it really feels like they're gelling at the right time I think that's a great point and I think it is I mean, it does seem like they've been playing uh, much better in the last quarter of the season uh, I think so far in the postseason They've been playing really well, too. Um, since the, the Mahomes ankle sprain, uh, I think you, you even saw a renewed effort. I mean, even though, okay, that wasn't entirely on the offensive line, you saw, I think, more of a sense of purpose. And, and even though there's, you know, not a lot of continuity between now and, you know, the Tampa Bay Super Bowl and the disappointment of the offensive line, you've got a lot of new faces. And really, you know, the, the biggest holdovers from there you know, you got Andrew Wiley, who was playing right tackle after playing, you know, primarily right guard all season. Uh, you know, Nick Allegretti was a backup on that line. But other than that, I mean, those are really the, the biggest holdovers. You've got four new starters, um, three of them are, you know, who are Pro Bowl caliber. Maybe you want to argue that Orlando, and maybe you want to argue there's four of them that are Pro Bowl caliber. 
Uh, and I think Andrew Wiley doesn't get enough credit, especially, you know, for, for how much money he's making. I, I think he's been incredibly productive for them as a right tackle. And they've been playing well. I mean, they've been, and they've been good with protection. So, yeah, I do. I mean, I think that they have been better than expected. I, I think a lot of the success that the Chiefs have had on the ground has also been to the offensive line. I, I think Andy Reid's right. I mean, he says this about, you know, Wiley, but he said it about a lot of the guys. It's not always pretty, but they fight and they get the job done. Is there a particular matchup you're looking at? I know it's tough to find a a stone that's not unturned already because we've had, what, two weeks now leading up to the Super Bowl. We've tried to look at every single aspect of this game. But is there a matchup in particular that you feel like is going under the radar at least a little bit? Good question. I mean, I, 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 mean, I feel like to me, just in general, I mean, I think this game's going to be decided in the trenches. That that's where I, I think it absolutely will be because I think the team that runs the ball most effectively, that protects their quarterback the best, is probably going to win this game. And and that to me, I mean, that's that's not a real sexy thing to say because I think you know, they would generally be, hey, hey, you know, whichever team throws the football the most and gets the most passing yards and makes the biggest plays downfield will win the game, especially in today's NFL. But I mean, I think you kind of. I know Nick Sirianni's a young guy, but he 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 runs some old school football, and he's got an old school football team. Andy Reid, as innovative as he is, got some old school football you know concepts. I mean, even though he's got a wide open offense, at the same time, he he said it today in his press conference. This game is all about the trenches, and and so that to me is, is I think the biggest battles. You know, it's it's who's going to win on the edges. Um, the Eagles obviously have some great edge rushers on defense. Uh, they've got Lane Johnson. You know, they've got some guys that can block. They are banged up, though, which makes me wonder, you know, once again, how, how good are they going to be in protecting Jalen Hurts? You know, so I, I think that's where it's gonna, this game's going to be decided. It's going to be just decided about, you know, who wins that battle. And, and the Chiefs, their defensive line is a little underrated, too. And mm. uh, that's why. I mean, and, and you know, Stephen asked me yesterday about who would be, you know, my my pick for a dark horse MVP if it wasn't Travis Kelsey or Patrick Mahomes. And I was thinking, you know, purely offense, you know, and was taking somebody like Jet McKinnon, who I could see going out and catching three touchdown passes. <laughs> but I tell you what, if it's not Mahomes or Kelsey, and the Chiefs win the game, third one's probably Chris Jones. I mean, and, and, and that to me, if the Chiefs win this game by defense, it's probably because Chris Jones had a game record of a game. Yeah, and Chris Jones has put that uh, sacks in the playoffs to rest, and he put it down very, very quickly. Just the way he was laying down Joe Burrow. I like that Chris Jones just... He wasn't going to get a penalty. He's going to gently lay down Joe Burrow. Uh, Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest joining us right here. Andy said he was expecting a surprise performance from someone. Who do you think that is? Yeah, I, I, when I heard that, I, I was exactly, I was thinking of that. You know, he's right. I mean, you know, there's there's the Larry Browns of the world. There's these, you know, hey, there have been Super Bowl MVPs. I mean, Damian Williams, probably one of those guys. Yeah. Because Damian Williams had a great case for being the MVP of that Super Bowl. Um, and if Patrick Mahomes wasn't Patrick Mahomes, probably would have been. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, off, you know, like I said, I mean, uh, you know, the Chiefs' dark horses to me, you know, it's like a Jet McKinnon or a type of Pacheco, they have a great big game on the ground. That that's a possibility. Um, I like I like St. John's pick you know, of Lajarius Sneed. I mean, you know, he gets a couple of interceptions. That can be your guy. 
um, you know, the good players, but once again, I mean, not guys that the rest of the league would, you know, recognize. I mean, you know, none of those guys are pro bowlers yet. They're not, they're not on that level as far as the recognition, no matter how good they may be in the eyes of Kansas City. They haven't reached that level nationally. Uh, yeah, I would not be surprised at all if there's somebody that breaks out. I mean, it, it could even be a guy like Marquez Valdez Gambling. I mean, he has a big game. Maybe he, you know, is, is the, sh- the star. Um, but I could definitely see it being, and, and the Eagles have those guys too, obviously. But it could be the, you know, the second or third receivers, or it's, you know, somebody in the secondary that has a big game. Andy's right. I mean, there's always somebody who, who steps up and, and gives you a performance that you weren't expecting. What's funny is we've gone through all these players. We, we've talked about some of the unsung guys. We've talked about matchup after matchup. And maybe I'm being too simple here, but when I, when I just break everything down, to me it comes down to the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, the Eagles don't. Is that a little bit of the way you feel as well, where we can talk about every little aspect, and obviously that matters, but when the game's on the line, when it comes down to it, the Chiefs have Mahomes, Eagles, they do not. It, it largely rings true with me. You know, The difference is, hey, he's lost the Super Bowl. Well, he lost it to Tom Brady, but hey, if, if Patrick Mahomes had Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz in that game, I think he beats Tom Brady. I mean, the Chiefs, we, we built up a, a, you know, I think the, the false premise that the Chiefs had a chance to win that game. And I think that we built a false premise that it was this Tampa, you know, cover two defense that won that game. No, I, I, I think we, we built up this concept that the Chiefs had a chance to win when in reality, with the, the injuries on that offensive line, there was just no way they were winning that game. And if they were fully healthy, they could. Patrick Mahomes and a healthy team wins. Yeah, I do. I trust Mahomes in every one of those situations. He's just has, he can't do it by himself though. He has to have some help. And, and maybe once again, maybe we're this time around, we're making the case that this receiver group is healthier than it is. Maybe the national narrative is right, that these guys are just too banged up and that's what's going to cost them. I just don't think that's the case. I mean, it's not like any of these guys are out. I mean, that, that chief's offensive, my words was missing two pro bowlers. They're two most important pieces on that line. Um, Chiefs aren't missing anybody. I mean, McCall Harden is the only one that they're missing, and they've been winning without him. So that, to me, is, is not a major concern. So I, I'm with you. I mean, in, in, in a standard matchup, I always say Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes and you don't. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the intangibles and the people around them, you've got to have some help. And I just don't think that the Chiefs are shorthanded. I mean, I think they're going to be – I think they're fine. And if that's the case, yeah, I think that always favors Mahomes and the Chiefs. Before we get into our little music segment together, what is the Matt Derrick score prediction? Put a stamp on it. What's it going to be? Yeah, I, I really think this is going to be a good game. Uh, I, I think there's going to be some scoring. I'm hoping that there's some good action. Uh, I think these are – Two, I mean, I think these are the two best teams in the league. Now, my question is, you know, to me is that I think the AFC is just a stronger conference right now. I think there's more depth there. I don't know that the Eagles have truly been challenged in a while. And I think they've got some fortune that they've, they've had some good matchups and that they've had some teams that they were facing that were banged up. I don't think they had the most difficult path to the Super Bowl. Um, the Chiefs should be fully recovered from the AFC championship game. And I say playoff games are decided by the coach and the quarterback. And in this case, I, I, I think there's a pretty good gap. I mean, it's not a huge gap, but I think there's a healthy gap between the Chiefs and the Eagles. I think the Chiefs win it. 
So I'm going with Kansas City, 31-27. Wow, you and I are very close. I have Chiefs winning it 31-30, which means the Chiefs are getting a dub as the Super Bowl champions, which means... What song are you blasting when they win? What's the first song you're you're throwing out on the uh, if you're the DJ? Um, my favorite kind of celebration song uh, of all time, and in what would be my walk up music, you know, if I were a major league baseball player, and it's going to kind of surprise you because it's not exact, it's not a power ballad. <laughs> Walking on sunshine by Katrina and the Waves. <laughs> Matt, I'm just picturing you right now coming in as a closer. You know, everyone has, like, God's going to cut you down, some, some metal song, and you got Walking on Sunshine. Matt, that's incredible. I love that. Yeah. You know, it doesn't always have to be on, you know, it doesn't have to be the etchy stuff. It doesn't have to be dark. That's, no. You know, sometimes you just need some, some balance. Yeah, sometimes you need some balance. You need some bounce in your step. I, I said Party Hard by Andrew W.K. I think that's a pretty good one. I, I, you know what? To this, there's no real, there's no real wrong answer unless it's whoop. There it is. There we go. And that's that is a wrong answer. Yeah. Let, let's get into a couple power battles before you get out of here. Bon Jovi wanted dead or alive or living on a prayer. Oh man, that's a hard one. That is a hard one. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go dead or alive. There you go. Lady by Sticks. Or Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams. Um, I am an absolute sucker for the, for Brian Adams. So that one's, that one's an easy one for me. Oreo <laughs> Speedwagon or 38 Special? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That is, oh, man. That, I mean, that's Chiefs Eagles right there. I mean, that's, <laughs> oh, man. Oreo or 38. I, I, I feel like... I feel like Ario's got the deeper catalog. I think I think Thirty Eight Special has has higher peaks. Mm. Man, oh, gosh, I tell you what, you know, I'm just thinking about it right now. If I had, you know, which one, you know, if one of them comes on, which one am I not skipping and everything? I don't think I'm skipping Thirty Eight Special. Oh, the only thing I will say is, riding the storm out is the Patrick Mahomes, oh, yeah. in my opinion, of these two bands. I got to go with Ario just for the Patrick Mahomes factor. Uh, Poison or Def Leppard? Ooh, gosh, man, you're just killing me on this. <laughs> These are tough. You know, once again, I mean, Every Rose Has Its Thorn is like top five all-time power ballad. I mean, that's there. But I, I, once again, I think Def Leppard's got the deeper catalog. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah. And which one, why am I blanking on the one that I really love? For Bring it on the heartbreak? Oh, man. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a good one. It's powerful. What's the power ballad, yeah. baby? <laughs> yeah, why am I why am I blanking on my favorite Def Leppard one? It's not. Uh, oh, Love Bites. There you go. There you go. Nailed it. Uh, Foreigner or Journey? Both traveling, obviously. Foreigner and Journey. You know, Journey. I mean, and they've got a couple of classics. And and Waiting for a Girl Like You is one of my favorite songs of all time. It's not the favorite, but it's got it's it's top twenty. I mean, it's it's a, it's a big deal. But here's the problem with Journey, though, that that you know the the 2015 World Series or 2014 World Series ruined them for me. Mm. They're just always going to be associated with Madison Bumgarner to me, and that's a that's a deal breaker. So, uh yeah, I mean, and Foreigner Jukebox Hero, yeah, was like 
when I first started getting into top 40 music and, you know, real music and everything and not just, uh, you know, Burton Ernie music, <laughs> Jukebox Hero was one of the first 45s I ever wrote. So. Uh, I'll, I'm going to go with Foreigner. I just love Foreigner. Double Vision, Hot Blooded, yeah. Cold as Ice. Big Foreigner guy over here. I got two more for you. White Snake or Night Ranger? To me, there's there's only a couple of good White Snake songs. You know, that's it. Night Ranger's got a tremendous catalog. Mm. So even though I actually really don't care for Sister Christian, everything else is, is, is I, I I'm more Night Ranger. Well, you you can still rock in America, right? That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, all right. Take my breath away, Berlin. Going up against Nobody's Fool, Cinderella. Oh, Nobody's Fool. Nobody's Fool. No. Uh, the, yeah, I think I, uh, I got to go Berlin there. Really? I yeah. thought you were a Cinderella guy. I mean, that's, that is a great song, but <laughs> Berlin, you got, the, you got the Top Gun connection. Yeah. That, that yeah. seals the deal for you, huh? Too many, too many, too many better memories with with Berlin. Uh, Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Matt Derrick. Matt Derrick, always a pleasure, man. Love talking Chiefs and power ballads with you. Talking power ballads and, and looking out over you know the, the desert and cool in the backyard and everything. This is a life. I, I feel for you guys out there out there dealing with the snow. Be careful. Uh, uh, Let every limbs fall, y'all. Just you twist man. the knife. Just yeah, twist just just twist knife, it, Matt. Man. Yeah, come on. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm really a terrible, terrible person. Uh, Matt Derrick, who's not a terrible person. Again, thank you so much. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Sports Night, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes joined by Dylan Michaels. Thank you again to Matt Derrick joining us on the show. Uh, Some voting happening right now, and we now know who the AP NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year is. No surprise, Sauce Garner. Garnering 46 first place votes. Aiden Hutchinson getting three. Tariq Woolen getting one. Um, no surprise. Sauce Gardner was the runaway favorite. He earned this. Sauce Gardner uh, dominated all season long as a rookie at corner. Good for him. And the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year also going to a jet, which is Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver for the Jets, went over 1,100 yards this season. 83 receptions, four touchdowns. Crazy that the Jets, of all teams, had a rookie offense and rookie defense of the year winner. Their future is extremely bright. They are a quarterback away. And Dylan and I were talking in the break right there, and Dylan had a very fun thought process here. He said... I wonder what the odds are for the Jets to win their division next season. The Bills might be having to pay some guys. Some guys might be walking, can't bring them back. The Jets are QB away if you get them now. I also had the uh, Giants beating the Eagles on this show, I think, a couple you weeks You did, back. but okay. So, <laughs> yeah, it was a horrible take. Take it with a grain of salt. 
Yeah, but I like this one. I kind of like this one. I told you I hated that one. I like this one. It's intriguing. I don't think they actually do it, but I bet the odds are there to make it valuable to at least take a look at. So, offensive rookie of the year, Garrett Wilson. Second place was Kenneth Walker. Third was Brock Purdy. Fourth was Chris Olave. Isaiah Pacheco getting one third place vote. Didn't get a first place vote, but did get one third place vote. Doubtful. Teicher has the Eagles winning. You think he gives Pacheco the... Hey, me and Teicher, you know, in our foxhole together. I like Adam Teicher a lot. But there's one thing you can't accuse him of, and that's being a Chiefs homer. It's my idol. I I thought I I was your idol. No, I... Well, you know. That hurts. Things move fastly. Dylan. All right. NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Chris Jones was nominated, but Chris Jones comes in third. Nick Bosa with 46 first-place votes. Micah Parsons got got zero first-place votes, but came in second overall Mm, voting-wise. Chris Jones, third place overall, only one first-place vote. And then Hassan Reddick garnering two first-place votes. Hmm. So postseason doesn't matter. So I think that no, it doesn't matter. We and know this. It doesn't matter. That's what's tough because, like, as of lately, Chris Jones has played much better than Micah Parsons. But the totality of the regular season, I would say Micah Parsons had a maybe a bigger impact earlier. I just don't. I thought Chris Jones would be a second place to Bosa. But I think yeah. that that's because of the postseason. Yeah, Chris Jones had a great year. Uh, Micah Parsons had a great year. Nick Bosa had a great year. I think Bosa is probably the guy that deserved it the most, especially oh, yeah. with, with with the voting. It's very difficult for an interior defensive lineman unless you're Aaron Donald. You have that name recognition as well. Chris Jones had a phenomenal season, and frankly, we obviously understand his impact here in Chiefs Kingdom. We know what he means to this defense. I mean, you take Chris Jones away from the Chiefs, what happens? Uh, I think you take Bosa away. I think that defense is still solid. It, obviously, it wouldn't be what they were, but I think you can make the case that Chris Jones has a bigger impact for his his squad. Only difference is Chiefs defense overall in totality just was not as good as Bosa's. I'm sure part of that came into the equation as well. Uh, I mean, you look at the the list of you know top four: Nick Bosa, Micah Parson, Chris Jones, and Hassan Reddick, all playoff teams. Um, Obviously, you'd probably say the Chiefs' defense is the uh, the worst of those four. Uh, I wonder how much of an impact that actually had, just the totality of the Chiefs' defense compared to the other three teams. But Chris Jones, it feels like a slight snub, uh, only getting one first-place vote. I-, I thought he would get more. I uh, thought Chris Jones should get more love. Uh, I wonder how much extra this fuels him in the playoffs, in the Super Bowl. Knowing Chris Jones, he is obviously geared, ready to go. Don't know if there's even a next level to go to. But you know Chris Jones. He keeps track of these things. Chris Jones is a man who pays attention. He's, he, he's a quiet guy, but you know he sees this. If Chris Jones and the Chiefs win the Super Bowl... Dylan, you think there's a little uh, 
a little sly remark to this, or you think it's all going to be fun and games because the Chiefs won the Super Bowl? In the grand scheme of things, that's way more important, obviously, than these awards. Accolades are great. Super Bowls are, are obviously your, your, your one top-tier choice. But the Chiefs do win. You think we see Chris Jones say a little something about this? Uh, maybe. If he has a great game, for sure. Yeah, I, if he, I mean, I think he would. He, if he gets two sacks and the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, what do you think Chris Jones says? I could see him saying something along the lines of, yeah, well, I was only the third best defensive player. Only the I thir- think he'll be more satisfied being paid like a defensive player of the year, which is all that really matters. Fair. And if he Fair. does do that in the Super Bowl, would be probably the case. I will say this as well. It's fantastic seeing Chris Jones start to get more recognition at the national level. It's not just here in Kansas City. You look around the NFL, you're starting to see everyone give Chris Jones his due. Uh, Offensive Player of the Year voting breakdown right here. First place was Justin Jefferson garnering 35 first place votes. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes actually came in second with 10 first place votes. Jalen Hurts with three. Tyreek with one. Josh Allen with one. This was a little surprising to me. Normally the MVP doesn't also get Offensive Player of the Year voting accolades, right? Were you surprised by the amount of votes Mahomes got? Does that mean he might not be as much of a lock for MVP as we think? Because I feel like it's a lock. Obviously, we'll find out later tonight. But garnering 10 first place Offensive Player of the Year voting votes is shocking to me. Are you surprised, Dylan? A little bit, but that could just mean nothing. Like They could have known that he's getting MVP, so giving him Second place, this doesn't mean anything anyway. But 10 first place votes probably means 10, 10 dudes that didn't vote for him as the MVP. And maybe I'm looking too much into this. Maybe I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting cynical. Yeah. If you wanted him to be unanimous, then this is a bad I want time, him to be unanimous, he, he okay? Be. I want Mahomes to be unanimous. I want him to win the Super Bowl more than anything, but I want him to have this this extra trophy as well. I want him to be the first quarterback, first player since Kurt Warner in 1999 to, to win MVP. People think they're smarter than everyone else. And win the Super Bowl. That's how it works. This was Sports Night here, Sports Radio 810 WHB. I am Sterling Holmes. You can follow me on Twitter at Homestretch, K- at Homestretch KC. Dylan Michaels behind the glass. Until next time, we are out.